With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. To be in a relationship, you have to almost love set person more than you love yourself, right? So for me, that looks like if, if, if what makes me happy is like having a multitude of women all the time and if I'm in fucking Dubai and I meet a girl and we and we click and but I have someone at home that I have to think like, well, will this make them unhappy? Then that compromises my happiness. And I don't I never want to do that. Do you feel because you have had numerous severe traumatic relationships and instances with women that has made it really hard, I would assume, to feel safe with women? One hundred percent. Do you feel like you have repaired Can't even that? sleep with a woman in my bed. I don't sleep. I have it's part of having a big house. Lovers and friends. Lovers and friends. I'ma take you on a trip, baby. I don't pretend. I said, Lovers and friends. Uh, I'ma hold you down down to the end. I said, What's up? My name is Sham Boudram. Welcome to Lovers and Friends, a podcast. I am a public-facing sex and relationship educator with over 15 years of experience in this space. I have an educational background in sexology, psychology, and journalism. When people ask me, why did you get involved in this and why did you have the balls or the gumption to think that you have the right to have a voice, a voice of authority in this space, I always say because I saw a huge hole in the sex industry that needed to be filled. And I happen to be very huge penis who can fill it. I don't know where I was going with that, but here's what I really want to say. I got involved in this space because I saw two very different ways that the public was talking about sex. There was sex entertainment or entertainment that used sex to sell. And then there was sex education. Sex entertainment had very, a lot of misinformation but that misinformation was packaged in a very interesting, sexy, salacious, palatable way that you had fun engaging with. Sex entertainment had really great grounding, groundbreaking information that was not as fun to engage with. It's not the kind of content that you raced home to see what happened next or what's gonna happen on the next page of my Family Alive textbook. Family Alive is a Canadian version of sex education. Shout out to people who knew what that reference was. So I thought to myself, there needs to be somebody who comes along who bridges the gap, who makes sex education sexy, who makes it fun and entertaining, but also still good and grounded in fact and studies and information that I felt could genuinely be impactful in people's lives. So I came into this knowing that I had to make compromises on each side and take the best of both worlds to try to service that goal. And to do that, I use clickbait. I use salacious, scandalous stories. I use flashy stuff to get you to digest the facts and figures that, again, I think can be meaningful for you. And treading that line can be very difficult to do because you never want the entertainment to overshadow the education nor do you want the education to be under service because it's not entertaining. 
And the way that I've tried to accomplish this goal on this podcast in particular is striving for topic-based discussions that are led by interesting real-life stories. And there's a balance there because if the real-life stories get too interesting, too far out there, we lose the topic. And now when you finish listening to the podcast, it's less about what are the jump off points that are meaningful for my life or what did I learn from that and more about get a load of that individual. And this episode is different. I had Sincere reach out to me and say he wanted to come on the podcast. And I like entertaining people. So I said, great, let's, what would you want to talk about? And through our discussion, we decided that consensual non-monogamy and his desire to engage in that in his next relationship, or really and truly in his first relationship, would be the right topic. But when he came, it went in a very different direction very quickly. And usually I would try to steer it back on topic again to stay topic focused. But given what he shared, it felt so irresponsible to do that. And I told myself coming into this that I was going to talk about everything. Um, I do know and I have uh, recognized over the last few years that I, I come from a place of trauma, right? And I, and I do know that, like, um, there's trauma involving women specifically. I want you to consider that as a trigger warning. This conversation discusses sexual abuse against children. It discusses abandonment of children. It also discusses womanizing. It discusses healing. So instead of doing what I usually do and trying to make this about one singular topic, it's just about a singular person's lived experiences and you choose what topics that were brought up are valuable for you and which ones aren't. And I really hope in the end that the same end result comes about. So with that in mind, let's get into this conversation. Vincent Coffey, AKA Sincere, started from the bottom and rose to the top of the party promoting industry, which led him to becoming a cast member on Love & Hip Hop in 2014. Fast forward to today, he owns two restaurants, a legal cannabis distribution business, he manages artists, he's a TV show writer plus producer, and he is DJing for Jason Derulo on his worldwide tour. So he has amassed over 2 million followers with this big, bright, flashy life and lifestyle. And I think in our conversation, what it really boils down to is us discussing if all that glitters in his life is truly his gold. This dynamic started with you DMing me to say, I want to be on your podcast. 100%. Which I knew meant you had a fascinating story. Now, obviously, yeah. I'm aware of you and I know that you're fascinating, <laughs> but that meant that there's a particular message that you were like, I need to share. Yeah, you know... Um... I saw the content, you know, a couple of friends of mine uh, been on your show doing a lot of cap, you know what I'm saying? I Share, say, who? Nah, like, it's just it's just cap. It's, you know, I, I see um, mostly, you know, women have this um, fictitious idea of what, the, what their relationships are. Like, when you live in Hollywood, like, we all know everybody's with everybody. Like, this is not a secret. So when I see certain people, I'm not, like me, you know, you, you come on here, you say, oh, I'm in this, this great relationship. And it's like, with who? Because we all, everybody know everybody's business. You know what I'm saying? So so when I seen that, I was like, you know what? I think it's, it's, it's time for your boy, you know what I'm saying, to come and just get my insight just on the dating scene in, in general. You know? Okay, so let's start at the very mm -hmm. beginning. Where were you born? What did you grow up knowing about love? Whoo! That was deep. You, um, you do this. Okay, yeah. So <laughs> uh, I grew up in Chicago. Um, 
you know, Chicago is, is, is obviously a dangerous place to grow up in. Um, I mean, even to this day, it's one of the most segregated cities in America. So um, you definitely date within your race. Um, my mother, by the time I was two, was, was, was single. She didn't have a, her and my dad had split. My dad was abusive. So, uh, my father used to, used to beat my mom. I'm the last of my mother's children. Um, my mother has seven kids. She kept four. So throughout the course of the relationship with my mom and my dad, at various moments, he would say that the kid's not his, and she would give the child up for adoption. And, you know, it's like it's a, it's a crazy story. Um, by the time I was two, my mother was what is considered a strong black woman. Um, I don't need a man. She worked full time. We kind of raised ourselves. Um, I just I remember even being like five years old, you know, in the house by myself. I think my mother is definitely a, re a reflection of like how I see love. She wasn't very loving. She wasn't like the person to say, I love you or, you know, um, it was like tough love. You know, she grew up like that, you know, and um, I definitely think she um, because of that, you know what I'm saying? She to this day don't have love. She, she thinks that she don't want a man. She don't need a man. She don't see herself as, as wanting to be vulnerable in that way. And, and once again, that, that reflected in her relationship with, 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 with us, me, my brothers, sisters, and, and everybody. So, Did yeah. you consider her to be a happy person? I think her happiness came from making us happy. My mom is a, is a um, which ironically, she's coming in town today. She's going to be staying, staying with me at my house. My mother is an, inter, is an interesting person, man. Um, so is the lesson yeah. that she taught you about love, it's better to be alone than to compromise? 100%. 100%. Um, I, I definitely um, have a hard time with, with, with compromising in any relationship. I mean, even business-wise. I think it's what's, it's what's gotten me this far, too, right? Um, being a person who's just, like, uncompromisable in, in what I want, um, how I see myself, how I see my future, you know. I, I don't know if there is um, a one person for a person like me. You know what I'm saying? I think there there might be many because I need different energy to exist. You know, I need... Um, everything has to be over the top, larger than life for me to be comfortable even... I mean, even in my own home or in the car I drive, I, I just like bigness. So I think that um, is a reflection of how I see a relationship happening for myself in the future as well, you know? Popping in right quick because after this point, this interview really goes. And before we get into, so let's fast forward to today. We're 34 years young. Mm -hmm. What does life look like? What does love look like? Um, yeah, abundance. You know, like abundance of women. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think that um, any man. So all right, so 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 we get to the meat and potatoes. I know y'all like y'all like meat and potatoes. So fortunately for me. You know, I, I got out of the hood, right? So I'm doing music, I'm writing music, I'm, I'm touring the world um, with, at that time, you know, a, a pretty big artist. And I get to see the world for what it is early on. So um, the, the idea of, like, being in a monogamous relationship was, was foreign. You know, you, you, you're encountering all these different women and sleeping with them and they're sleeping, they go from you to your friend. And then, so, so when I, I started seeing that, I made a conscious decision I'm not going to be in a relationship. Like, that's crazy. Like, why would I tie myself down to one woman 
and I'm 20, 23, 24, 25, and I'm making money, and I'm, I'm touring the world, and I'm like, it just never made sense to me. So I said, I'm just not going to be in a relationship with anyone. So you never were in a committed relationship? Nah. I, I tried little, let's, let's see, you know, and it's like, that one, it'd be one thing, man. I, I get I get tired of person feet. Like, you know, and too, I think fear. Fear of like, um, I remember one time I got into a crazy fight with my brother. And um, my mom was there and she's like, oh, you got that thing your dad got. Like, and um, I remember her saying that to me. And when she said that to me, she said to me like, like, oh, you, you're an abuser. Like although I was fighting my brother, it sounded to me like she was saying like you're 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 in a, you're an abuser, right? So I'm like oh shit like nigga I don't want to be I don't want to be a, a a person that hits women, so I um I definitely like at every stage whenever I do feel like I'm liking somebody I try to distance myself not be, because I feel like that level of um, abuse comes from a place of love like it's it's weird it's attached to each other. Because if I love you so much that I want to stop you from doing what you want to do, like that's the type of love I don't want. Like I don't want to be somebody to love me so much that they want me to do exactly what they want me to do. Mm -hmm. And I, I think love is just mad toxic, man. It's like, um, you know, from what I've experienced, like every woman and man is like wants to control um their relationships in a way or, or create this dynamic of like to, to be in a relationship, you know, this traditional sense, you have to almost love set person more than you love yourself. Right. So for me, that looks like if, if, if what makes me happy is like having a multitude of women all the time and being free to, to explore life as I, as I wish if I'm in fucking Dubai and I meet a girl and we and we click and but I have someone at home that I have to think like well will this make them unhappy then that compromises my happiness right so I have to put you before me and I don't I never want to do that like I have to be in a type of relationship where it's like oh go ahead and do whatever you want to do and I think it's important for me to be able to accept that from that person too because if I don't now we get in this control format where if I now I'm in a place of having to lose my temper at any point and I don't want to even create that environment for myself um I think part of my growth is having been able to control my temper more and more and more and more as I get older um which is why now is is a good time to to, to love someone or to let someone love me because I am in much more control than I was when I was a younger man for sure you've given me a lot yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's exhale. That was a lot. That yeah. was great. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, so what I heard is that you're afraid to be afraid. is not the right word. You're disinterested in being in a committed relationship because of the controls that will put on your life mm -hmm. and your ability to choose happy for you because you've got to worry about someone else's happiness. And you're also afraid of falling so deeply in love with someone that you feel compelled to control them. 100%. And your mom set this seed in your brain that you have the potential to do what your dad did. Yeah. Um, that you're mm -hmm. that person, even mm -hmm. though you have never been that person. Right. And you don't want to be that person. At all, yeah. That just still exists for you. <laughs> yeah. But with all those things in account, so in your 20s, this like informed your decisions. You were like, 
I keep short-term relationships. I don't get too emotionally invested and I have a good time and I prioritize me. But it sounds like now, even though these have been your truths, something has changed for you. Yeah. Um, I think too, so, so, all right, this way, this way, this way, get a little, a little deeper than rap. You know what I'm saying? Gets deeper than rap. And I, and I told myself coming into this that I was going to talk about everything. Um, I do know and I have uh, recognized over the last few years that I, I come from a place of trauma, right? And I, and I do know that, like, um, there's trauma involving women specifically. Um, one of the most traumatic things that, that happened to me more than once in my childhood was, which, which I'm sure, like, I even looked online and it's not a lot of content about this, is, like, I was molested by two different women in my family, when I was young, right? I'm so, so sorry that happened to you. I mean, but it's, but but now now the, the other kicker is that um, these were two teenage girls. I'm eight, six, seven, right? This happens over an extended period of time. Um, I would never want to go to my my dad's house. <clears throat> my brothers and sisters would be happy to go to my grandmother's house to see my dad, and I was like, I didn't want, I didn't want to go there because I knew that that was that was a predator there, right? That that was waiting on me to come. So as I'm, as I'm growing, I say, well, what does that do with my relationship with women, right? Mm -hmm. So that time in my life as a child, um, not really understanding what's going on, but knowing I didn't want it to happen to me, um, is, is, is definitely, it, it, put, it put a strain on my relationship with women for sure. As an adult, never trusting them, always thinking like, eh, something with you, right? Never, you know, like, so that's the, that's the, the first, like, aha moment for me. Like, oh, this is why I keep my distance from women and I never really show that level of love and affection, right? So you have that happening as a, as a small child before I'm really able to understand relationships or sex or, or any of these things. And, and then now your mom uh, creates this narrative to my dad or th that I don't want to see him or... Like, oh, he doesn't, you know, because, you know, it's a little tit for tat things when you're dealing with a person. They were together since they were 16. You know, he was an abuser. Now she, I got a one-up on you. Mm -hmm. The good kid don't even want to see you, which creates a crazy dynamic between me and my dad moving forward in my in my adult life. Um, and obviously your mom wasn't someone you felt safe to confide in. And well, like I, well, so and so here's another, another milestone um, where my relationship with women got got even more strained is when I was 18, I finally told my mom what used to happen to me. And boom, I dropped a bomb on her and she didn't want to talk about it. She like, I don't want to talk about that. Like, That was her response? This was her re reaction to it. So I didn't even realize what that done, had done to me until recently talking to a friend about it. Um, a lot of men that I've spoken to about this have been through similar Things. And he's like, oh, when I told my mom it happened to me, she lost her mind. She was looking for the person. And it's like, well, why didn't my mom react like that? And then from that point, now you're on the road with famous people and you see women literally like I've had a woman in my room for three hours tell me her life story. I'm, I'm not this girl. I'm this girl. I'm a good girl. I don't even come to hotel rooms. I don't even da da da. And then um, two minutes later, a celebrity walks in and she's on the bed having sex with him, right in front of you. You're like, 
what level of lie is this? Like, what, what, what how, like, how do you trust? And it's an ongoing thing. And then you live in Hollywood now, and it's a cesspool. It's Sodom and Gomorrah. It's everyone's with everyone. It's men with men, women with women. Men, girl, it's, it's like. What did you think you came here to talk about? Um. Because when I first was, you know, pitched you or my producer spoke with you, she was like, he is just a big character and a big libido and wants to exist in a world where he can have sex with multiple people and enjoy his life. He's on tour with Jason Derulo. Yeah. What do you think happens? Like, we know from what we see in Jason Derulo's life, like, that's the environment that he invites where there's just abundance. Right. Right. So as a result of that, he's looking, yes, maybe to have a partner who's home base, but ultimately he wants to enjoy himself, sow his seed and have fun. Sure. That's what the story I was spun. was yeah. like, hey, let's, let's talk about this. But to me, this is the story of why somebody who traditionally would be deemed as untrustworthy to women, women. Mm-hmm. so I think you could own For that. For sure. That women yeah. would look at you like, I cannot trust him. He's sure. not deserving of trust. But really and truly, it's about why that kind of person doesn't trust women. 100%. And that's, that's, that was my intent. Um, yeah, I want abundance of women. Yeah, I want to be on tour with Jason and fucking meet a new woman every night. and Right? But this is why. In a really corny way, because I don't want to ask this question in a way that's going to sound like how it's going to sound. But, yeah. like, is that really what you want? What? what that, that? Do you really want... Like, when we think about not just, like, what you think is possible, but, like, what you actually genuinely want based on what you know you need to heal, Mm -hmm. do you want a different woman every night? Do you want an abundance of women? Like, and you could want that eventually, but, like, right now, what do you genuinely want from a woman or women? Um, I think people are always evolving. Yeah, I'm asking Um, about today. Today, I'm having a great time. Yeah. But I would... So, so, so... We get to another milestone, right? Where I live in a ten thousand square foot house by myself. Congratulations! Right? Thank you. Mom's coming over today. She'll be very proud. She'd be all right. You know what I mean? She she got keys. She been there. She come when she wants. Right? It, but it's like during COVID, we on lockdown. The house is nice to you that by yourself every day. You know what I'm saying? And then you think about becoming an old man. It's gonna be similar, like. Yeah, you might amass a, a crazy amount of wealth and have all this money and but it's like, but you don't have no kids, nigga. Do you have anyone to give this to? Do you have anyone to share this with? Right? It's it's starting to become that. So 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 let me let me say this too. I was dealing with I was I, it's like I was fighting with my hands behind my back. So early on, when you're a child, it's embedded in your mind, marry a black woman. Marry a black woman, marry a black woman. So you're moving through life with that intent, like, man, I don't want to marry. I got to marry a black woman to appease whatever the normal. I don't know they, whoever they are. It's like you're thinking about your wife. My entire life of thinking about what my wife looks like, she looks like a black woman. Yeah. And and so so you're you're stuck in that. So so, but I just just recently got rid of that. Like that's not the, like my wife is probably not going to be black so i was i was dealing with it dealing in and i'm not going to say probably not maybe she's black but maybe she's fucking german and black maybe she's black and but she's from switzerland or something. I, I don't know because the idea the way they think the black american woman has been conditioned over time 
to think and feel a way about black men. We we are in a like we're in this construct in the environment that I grew up in. It's like you gotta have chains on to get the good girl, the one that you like. She the one. Like you got a jury. Da, 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 da. Like man, I don't want no woman to just want me for that, right? You go, you see a Mexican woman and her man, beautiful, beautiful woman. He work at FedEx. His requirements aren't the same. I think it's a nutty statement. <laughs> for me. Well, I, I can't speak on your in, reality, in, but I can imagine it's not necessarily about race. It's just about where these people are. It's more about culture. The culture of women, regardless if they're black or Mexican or mixed, are probably going to be women who are financially focused. Because you are mm -hmm. the ones who are going to be showing up and making themselves available in the spaces that you just naturally are, I would assume are financially focused regardless of what you know race or gender that they are. Well, not me. I don't think the women in my, in my environment are financially focused. So I'm, I'm speaking about my experience. Yeah. So within my experience, most black women that I've encountered, there's a standard for the black man yeah. to, to, that's not realistic for every black man. So when you see what's even what's happening in LA, like this environment in LA creates the robbery creates these these things that are happening because the guys with the shit get the girls, right? So to, to the guy who don't have it, they now have to get aggressive about getting it, even more so that they ready to risk their lives for it because that's what's been created. But, I want to tell you this, and I hope this is affirming. 95% yeah. of people who are listening to this are not relating to what you're saying. You are looking at a very small pool and then like yeah. using really big terms to describe large groups of people with, um, and it's a small minority of people. Yeah, I agree with that. I usually say specific women, and unfortunately, through this conversation, I haven't said that, and I'm sorry for that. So I don't want anyone to take what I'm saying as like this group of girls, but I know that I've, I've been where you're talking about going, right? So you, you ever see the same girl with a different rich guy, and you're like, why are these guys passing this girl around? Yes. You know why that happens in our, in our bubble? Because when we try to get the girl that you're talking about, the 95%, when we bring them to the world, they become that person. So if I go down, I'm not going to say down, if I go into that world, right, and I've done it, and I bring her into this existence, these are the people that go, they're like fangirls to, let's just use Drake, they're Drake fan. I meet a girl, she's the biggest Drake fan, but I find her, she falls in love with me. And then now I'm with Drake all the time. Well, you didn't bring a girl who wouldn't be in that circle. You brought a girl who hasn't had an opportunity or a door they, in the they, circle. They haven't had the, the door to get in, but yeah, once they but get in, they change. What if, because that's, that's who, she didn't change. That's who she always wanted to be. You nah, just gave I, her the access. I don't know. I just know that. I just live in a mindset where all things are possible. It's just a matter of where you want to put your effort. And so if it's completely possible to find somebody who is not of your world, who can adapt easily to your world, who has their own things, who compliments you beautifully and mm -hmm. creates a safe space. But it's how hard you want to work to look to find that person. And I'm working now. Right now I'm working. We are working. You know what I'm saying? I'm working and I, and I hope to, 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 you know, I want a successful woman with her own shit going on that ain't really looking for me to come and save her who's okay with sharing me. Mm -hmm. That's the tough part. What's the more important part? And what, like, in is what? it more important? Actually, before I get there, let me ask this Do you feel because you have had numerous severe 
traumatic relationships and instances with women that has made it really hard, I would assume, to feel safe with women. 100%. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you have repaired Can't even that? sleep with a woman in my bed. I don't sleep. I have it's Part of having a big house, the luxury of it is being able to go to the other room or send them to the other room. Oh, tell me more about that. I don't want to... I don't want... So whoever I do end up with, we're going to have separate rooms, maybe even separate houses at, at any stage or any point. But why do we feel the need to plan before we heal? That's, I guess, what I'm curious mm-hmm. about. I, I, don't, I don't know that I'm not healed. I don't know that I, I don't know that I'm not. I understand. I understand, um, and I understand that because, because what I understand is I have to create boundaries. Yes. Like I have to have the boundaries in place, and this is part of it. Like this is part of, like I don't I don't know I don't know what healing is. Like, I don't know if there is a moment where I'm like, I trust anybody for that matter. I mean, I, I don't trust nobody. Like. I want to talk about what you said about boundaries of like, you know, I don't have women sleep in my bed because I got to put up healthy boundaries for myself. Mm -hmm. And I had this uh aha actually in my marriage where I was still holding on. I got married with the idea of divorce in mind. I got married being like, oh, I can get divorced if this doesn't work out. And (laughs) how long have you been married? Four years. Okay. And every step of the way in our relationship, we would get into arguments where I would say to myself like, oh, you know, it's, it's fine. If this doesn't work out, I'll just get divorced. And then I was like, why do I do that? And then I kind of assessed my parents' relationship, what I saw from them, and what I experienced growing up early in love. And I realized that having this back door was safety for me, and mm-hmm. it was necessary. And mm-hmm. oftentimes I was in dangerous relationships where I needed to have an exit plan. But it didn't make sense in my relationship anymore. I'm in a loving, incredible, trusting relationship with a person I can share my truth with, that I can grow with, that I can trust, is going to grow and meet me. I'm in a safe space. So... Me creating these boundaries, these back doors, wasn't in reaction to my realities, in reaction to my trauma. And it sounds like for me, you're like the person who came back from the war Mm -hmm. and now they live in their basement and have all these wires and security system because they have to protect themselves. They think that. (laughs) But it's like you're not at war anymore. So it's these boundaries are not actually applicable to your reality, they're based on your trauma. Um, So that's why I'm kind of. Well, we are at war. Right. So, Why? so well, I'm not at war. Well, 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 in a world of abundance, right? Um, it's easy to move on when you get into relationships or you're dealing with people, which is my day to day reality. Is like most of these girls need me to a certain degree, right? Like, or whomever many men they might be dealing with at set time. Maybe they just need me for the vacation. Maybe they just need me for the pictures for the Instagram. But they need something from it. it um, I need somebody that don't need me, first and foremost. I made the shift in, in my life that was impactful for me. So I wonder if it could be impactful for you. Where you think about your future partner and like a to-be list. Like they need to be independent. They need to be somebody who wants me for me. They need to be five foot something tall. They need mm-hmm. to be somebody with a fat ass, whatever. If we thought about it in a to-feel list, like... Within the ideal relationship, I, Vincent Sincere, am going to feel. What are you going to feel? I don't think about, I, I think about um, convention, con, like what's conventional. I don't, I, I never think about a feeling like. But why not? If you've never, if. I, 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 don't, I don't feel like that. I don't feel like that. I mean, my feelings are very stoic, man. I'm like. I don't know. I never really think about that, bro, to be honest. What comes to mind when I listen to you talk is 
it would be nice, extremely aspirational and radical to feel safe in a relationship. Hmm. I would like that for sure. Yeah. I, I, I watched the, uh, the interview you did with Jazzy. Yeah. And um, she was talking foreign language. She's your friend. I know her. I okay. wouldn't say we're friends. We, we, we've uh, talked, flirted. I flirted um, extensively <laughs> uh, through DMs and just uh, through passing, seeing her. She's very beautiful, very beautiful girl. And ideally is like, yeah, I would like somebody like that, right? She's a boss, um, which to her boyfriend, I'm not, this is not a, right? This is just me seeing what she was saying. Like, this girl, a boss, you know, she don't need a man for nothing. She wants a man, right? Um, and she's selfless in what she does for her man. Like, finding that, that's like finding 30 tons of gold right now. Like, I don't even, I don't even know. She might be one of one. She might be, you know what I mean, a Richard Milley. Like, you can't even get this. But safety is a huge component. That was the thing that she kept coming back to, too. I have to feel safe with you. What are the requirements from a man to bring to Jazzy in order <laughs> to get this level of love from you? Um, I think it's how you make me feel. Um, I have to feel safe with you emotionally. And so as somebody who has never felt safe with a woman, do you feel like you are capable for providing a safe environment to your partner? Yeah, for sure. I think, I think most women feel safe when they're with me. For sure. I mean, just by nature of um, my lifestyle, you know what I mean? You're going to feel safe. safe. Secure and safe aren't the same thing. Okay. I, 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 okay, I, I see what you mean when you say that. Yeah. Um, well, then, no, I don't think women feel safe with me. I think they think I'm a, I'm a cheater. Um, I think they think, which I'm not. I'm actually the opposite. I would never cheat on a person because I would go into the relationship with set rules. Yes. Right? I think I'm not a liar. I can't, I'm not a person that lies. Like, I don't, I'm, I'm not a capable. I don't, I don't feel the need to. I don't think it's necessary to lie to anyone. Hence the reason why I hate all my friends who cheat on their girlfriends. Like, dog, that's whack. Like, that's corny to me. Just, you don't even have to be in a relationship. I see it happening and I just be like, I don't know. That's a whole nother thing. But the point is, like, I think there's been this narrative created about men like me, alpha males, go-getters, people that may um, liking having women around, like we're just these, these big cheaters. It's like, I don't gotta cheat on nobody because I'm not even gonna put myself in that type of position. I'm gonna come to the table like, look, this is what I wanna do with you and this is what I'm gonna be doing while it's happening. Mm -hmm. You okay with it or not, right? And every women just want, man, I think people in general just want, um, like a like this mold that they created, society has created. I talked about this on another podcast, like the magical black man, like this this magical black man who's like everything and then some. Good looking, fit, financially successful. He could fuck good too. He don't have no problem in the bed. He's he's like kind of from the hood, but kind of not. You know, it's like <laughs> it's like they don't even want a square. They want they don't want uh the guy from girlfriends. Right, that TV show, we, we made fun of that guy. They want him to be like ghosts from power, but it's like vulnerable and but vulnerable and yeah. like, but I understand. <laughs> and I can, it's like, that's not a real, like, like, yeah, there's duality in people, but it's like, bruh, like to be an alpha male is, is to kind of put all of that to the side 
a lot of the time. But I think that a lot of what is what I feel like from you is like we're here to kind of talk about plans or like what you want, but you haven't really healed based on what you experienced and what has happened to you. Well, what does healing look like? Those conversations that you know need to be had. And, 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 that, and that'll happen, but yeah. I don't know what that does for me. I don't know, I don't know what it, how it changes my thought process, right? So it's like, even if I have that conversation, I know where it goes. But you, I guess I like the I don't know better because you don't know. You don't know if like seeking those answers continues to un- unravel more pain or it unlocks more healing or potentials for feelings of safety. I guess what I mean, it was what I'm hearing you, what I think is really beautiful is that you have pinpointed something really important where it's like, hey, the world looks at me like I'm not safe for women. My mom mislabeled me as a man who's not safe for women, which mm-hmm. that's not your reality because that hasn't been what you've chosen. So that's 100%. what we can sit in. You're yeah. not your dad. So instead of this being a dialogue about what you need as of right now, I think it's more of a dialogue of like, who knows what I need because I still got a lot of work to do for me. That's fire. That's a, that's a good, you know what I mean, caveat to everything, um, which is why I wanted to come on the show. Like I said, I, I, I've watched you be able to, like that's a talent to like um, actualize maybe what a person is thinking in their mind but maybe we haven't found the words to properly say it, right? Um, so I specifically wanted to have this conversation with you because I felt like we would get to a, a place of, of, of like this moment. Like, okay, yeah, um, I, I, I just know that what I wanted to say earlier was that in a world of abundance, it's easy to give up on people. And you can't give up on people. To learn more about Sincere, you can find him on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at the handle Sincere Show. I highly recommend that you choose one of those platforms and reach out to him directly or in the comment section. Let him know what you heard or what you found valuable from this conversation. Questions that I asked my audience, and I'm really proud to share with all of you right now. Wow, this is such an interesting episode. I have so many thoughts, but I guess one of my main takeaways listening to him talk is he does not believe his feelings are valid or worthy so as a result he was saying things like what is healing gonna do for me like i already know what i know kind of thing yeah just it's a good reminder for me too of like your feelings matter and your feelings should be investigated i'm in therapy and the biggest takeaway that i got from therapy was our parents fuck us up without realizing that they're fucking us up and he had the awareness of being able to say, okay, I know I have traumas and this is what they are. This is this is one thing. This is another thing. But he's also not aware of the effects of the things that he's aware of. This is a man who I find to be in a lot of mama, a lot of pain, and who has constructed these really toxic narratives in childhood about women, about black women, and about the place of women in his life to compensate for and hide from some really horrific experiences that he had. And he's just continued that into his adulthood. Um, And the fact that he didn't have and possibly still doesn't have an example of a healthy monogamous or ethically non-monogamous relationship that he gets to observe intimately. I think all of that kind of combines to me experiencing him as someone who I find quite emotionally immature. I think that a woman who is independent and strong and feels safe in a relationship um, is not looking for someone who's unwilling or unable to 
be vulnerable and suppressing your feelings is not being in control of your feelings what stood out to me is that even if in this day and age we preach for men to be vulnerable we as women don't know how to handle their trauma and i feel like there's no platform for men to talk about those issues having these conversations in public for men to have representation and for women to have an idea or just people in general to have an idea of the impact that our behavior has on people so i think these conversations need to be modeled and his last statement really is what sparked a reaction out of me because the entire time i was thinking he came on the show for you to be his therapist but doesn't want to admit that he needs one it was interesting hearing him say that he thinks he's healed or feels that he's healed because for me i think the one part that i was missing from him is the fact that it's also important not to give up on yourself oh my goodness they need a hug they really need a hug and not just from any old person i felt like they've never had a hug from a woman that they trusted that that they could feel confident in that this woman actually loves them has their best interests in mind he hasn't had a loving and you know valued relationship with a woman throughout his life um which means that there the the definition of equality just does not exist when it comes to relationships so there's this constant battle for power dynamics this discussion really made me think about how very, very unsafe a lot of straight men feel in relationships with straight women. Um, I think we can be vulnerable to a certain extent. Like we can, you know, cry about our parents passing. We can even talk about going to therapy, which I get a lot of compliments from women about when I tell them I go to therapy. But like anytime you say something that is a little too sensitive, something that puts like your, you know, your financial status or your sexual prowess into question, then your whole entire masculinity can be put on trial instantly. And I think a lot of us know that and it just makes us feel really, really unsafe. This guest says a lot about being able to do whatever they want, whenever they want, no one having any sort of control over them, not being willing to compromise in any sort of way. Um, would it work the other way? This perception of love is that love is control. Um, and I think that the industry that he's in is very much so about control and taking advantage of people and getting, seeing what you can get from other people. And I don't think that that's the healthiest environment to try to cultivate a healthy relationship. The first thing I'll say is that trauma is never our fault, period. I won't say but because that discounts the first statement. I will say and. And we have to find a path forward in order to continue growing as people. So for Sincere, he's aware of his own trauma and how it impacts his views on relationships. And here's where I'll add a but. But ultimately, it's an unfinished story that starts with a young boy from Chicago, abused. Somewhere in the middle is a man who says broad statements like love is toxic, but also seems to express some eventual desire for a safe partnership with a woman. When he says he doesn't know what healing does for him, I say so much. These conversations about divorce, pain, abuse, love, fear, and loneliness, all things discussed in this podcast episode, that's what helps us to heal. And so I'm glad he's taking a step to at least talk about it some more. But the story has to continue with meaningful changes to be made to his life to the point where he feels safe in this world, safe in his mind, and ultimately safe with women.
I have to disagree with the idea that this is not a person who has healed from their trauma. He knows who he is, and most importantly, who he is not. He's not a cheater. He is not an abuser. He is in a non-excited place about his past experiences. He spoke very calmly about what he has been through, which to me shows he has the right mindset to work through the emotions that might arise in a romantic partnership. It's important to remember, especially when men open up about their vulnerabilities, that no person has to be 100% anything in order to be loved and to give love. Can I just say how grateful I am to my community, specifically the people who submitted a voice note after listening to Sincere's interview. You're just so thoughtful and smart and insightful and vulnerable and bold. You just heard a summary of the voice submissions, but having listened to them in their entirety, I have so much faith that this conversation, that this episode can spark some meaningful dialogues in your own world. Speaking of dialogues, talk to me nice. This is the part of the, that was what uh, Sincere kept saying in our interview. Talk, talk to, to me nice. nice. This is the part of the episode where I ask you politely, but aggressively to rate and review the podcast. I read the reviews religiously. It's how I find out what you liked about the episodes, what you found impactful, and that informs the way that I approach the work going forward or what you didn't like sometimes. I mean, all of it is really, really meaningful to me. So if you have a bit of time, and on top of that, it goes a long way in pushing this podcast to its potential. So if you are on Apple or Spotify right now listening, that is a thing that you can do. If you are on YouTube watching, hit the subscribe button, please. Every Tuesday and Friday, we're putting out new videos. And um, next week is going to be really interesting. So you're going to want to come back. And I, furthermore, let me be real. I want you to come back. Have a great week. Bye. Lovers and friends. Lovers and friends. I'm going to take you on a trip, baby. I don't pretend. I said, lovers and friends. Uh, I'm going to hold you down, down to the end. I said, lovers and friends is executive produced by Shared Entertainment's Shan Boudram. It is produced by Boudram and Crazia Cruz with production support from 2S Entertainment's Adam Krasner, Isabel Gallant, and Brianna Barone. The Lovers and Friends theme song is produced by Sean Ross and performed by Jared Brady, who also does the scoring and engineering on our episodes. Lovers and Friends is powered by Audioboom and made possible by our incredible sponsors, who you can show love to by reading our show notes.